Welcome to the Life Purpose Podcast, the podcast that supports you in finding and embodying your purpose. My name is Paulisari, and I am your host. In this episode, we're going to do something that's a bit different from the usual format of this show. I have a guest here, a colleague named Niharika Sanyal. Hi, Niharika. Hey, Pauli. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. And um, we are going to discuss The Lord of the Rings and how it connects to purpose. So we have both watched the first of the movies. Mm. And yeah, we have found lots of interesting connections to this topic of purpose how to Mm -hmm. live your purpose it's more about living your purpose i think than discovering one's purpose in this movie Mm. um yeah and um before we dive into the movie itself i just want to say a few words about the hero's journey Mm. because um yeah, this movie is very much an expression of that phenomenon. Um, so the hero's journey, for those who are not familiar with the concept, is a template of stories that occurs again and again in myths all over the world. It's the story of a hero that receives a call, goes on an adventure to fulfill his calling, and is transformed as a result of his journey. And this um, myth was popularized by Joseph Campbell, who wrote a book um, by the name of The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And we will um, probably get a deeper understanding of what the hero's journey entails as we look more closely at this story of The Lord of the Rings. So let's dive into the movie itself. And Mm -hmm. um, we are probably not going to do this so much in a chronological order, I'm guessing, but let's at least Mm. start at the beginning. So, um, yeah, quite early on in the movie, there's a scene where Frodo receives the call. Mm. So... um, um, Gandalf and Frodo are testing the ring to see if it really is the ring that they suspect that it is. So they're throwing it into the fire hmm. and they find out that it really is this ring. And um, it becomes clear quickly that this ring needs to leave the Shire. Otherwise, very bad things will happen. Hmm. And um, Frodo, he mean, Frodo wants to give the ring to Gandalf, so he kind of is refusing the call at this point. And this is, this is the second step in the hero's journey. The first step is to receive the call, and the second step is to refuse the call. Mm. Um, and Gandalf makes it clear that he can't take the ring, he's way too powerful, it would be way too dangerous. So Frodo really is the only person who can take the ring out of the Shire. Mm. 
And Frodo, when he understands that, he accepts the call and he proceeds. So, yeah, this is very interesting because um, we all refuse to call at first. That is part of the hero's journey. Mm. But how for how long we refuse it that's that's a completely different story and in this particular example frodo you know it takes probably less than a minute before frodo accepts the call mm. but for most of us it takes a much longer time and it can even be decades for many people it can be half a lifetime and yeah. um and it's um, it's very understandable because when we receive the call, it can seem quite daunting. Mm. It usually feels like something that's way too much for you to handle. Something much bigger than what you are capable of. Mm. So it's natural to refuse it. It's, there's so much fear that can come up. Um, but the longer we refuse to call, the more we will suffer. Mm. And, um, yeah. And there's yeah. much more to say about that, but I will, I will not make this a monologue. So <laughs> <laughs> any reflections that come up for you about this particular part? Yeah, and I think it's interesting that in the movie, Frodo refuses the call about three times Yeah, in, in total. Um, and, and what's interesting is that usually the hero is sort of like a very um, straightforward, simple person living in the Shire. Like he's, he has no idea what the calling is really leading him towards. And that's often how it comes to us as well. Like we're just going about our daily lives, our nine to five jobs or like living the life that we thought our whole lives was intended for us until this call sort of comes knocking on the door just like Gandalf comes knocking on the door and in a way there has to be at least in Frodo's case there had to be a nudge out of the door by a strong figure like Gandalf a guide or a mentor or a teacher who came and sort of pushed him on the road um because the comfort of not going on the road is so much stronger. Mm. Uh, so Gandalf is called, I think, a disturber of the peace in the movie. Mm. In the Shire, he's known as somebody who comes and disturbs the peace. And so the role of uh, this kind of a figure who's sort of standing between both worlds. Gandalf is a wizard. He's not really man, neither angel like he's kind of like in the in the middle um mm, mm. and that kind of a figure who comes and sort of shows and uh, disturbs the peace in terms of disturbs the status quo disturbs the normal routine disturbs the simple uh definition of what life was supposed to be for the people in the shire um and it's interesting that the very first interaction i'll never forget this between gandalf and frodo is gandalf comes riding on a cart or uh, on his horse and uh, I think Frodo says that you're late and mm. uh, Gandalf says that a wizard is never late 
not early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Yeah. <laughs> and that's sort of how it is with the call. Like it, it's uh, a lot of people feel like it's too late to live my purpose or it's too mm. early to live my purpose. And it, that's not the case. Whenever the call comes, that's the right time. Um, there's so many people who are at the age of 50 or 60 and they hear a call to go deeper into their life and perhaps make a meaningful transition in their life. And one of the first questions they think is, it's too late in my life to make any change, but that's not the case. If the calling has come, if you can hear it, then it's the right time. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is a really important point to make. I, I can see that quite a lot with older people oftentimes that there's this sense that, oh, I just had 20 more years to live. Um, yeah, and it also happens with younger people. I've, I've worked hmm. with a lot of people who are in their 20s or 30s, and they often tell me that, isn't it too early in my life to follow my calling? Isn't this something people do after they've saved up enough money and like retired? Like, isn't that when they live a life of service? And then I'm like, well, have you heard the call? Has it come? Yeah. <laughs> Go ask your soul, uh, is this the right time? Uh, and you will know if this is the right time, by the clock of your soul, not any other clock. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's really, I don't know if one, he, if one really hears the call on some level mm. and then tries to rationalize it away, like, oh, I can feel it, but I really need to get, get us, you know, secure, economical, ground first I need to do this education and start a career and then maybe 10 years later I can respond to that call mm. and um, well there's many way to live a, ways to live a life but um, I don't know I don't really see any point in postponing it it's just yeah um, yeah and like you pointed out that Frodo himself was not ready um, he didn't believe he could do this. He just had yeah. no option. In a way, he just... The call was bigger than him. And I guess he had to follow that because it meant protecting the Shire. It meant protecting all the people he loves, his neighbors, his friends. And so it was kind of like a purpose beyond himself, which was pulling him. So he couldn't help but be pushed out of the door. Yeah... And I think yeah. that's often the tipping point for people is when they, when that call starts getting louder than the need to be in a safer, more secure place. And I, at least I've often experienced that as a pull. Um, it feels like it's um, directing your energy outwards. Um, and I guess for everyone, there's a certain point in life where that's the right time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And there, in when it comes to Frodo, there are many expressions of resistance on the way. Like, as you said, mm. he... I mean, there's another scene where he tries to refuse the call. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. he gets called several times, and um, yeah, uh, a bit later in the movie, there's a scene where 
Frodo meets this elf woman, Galadriel. Mm. And um, he tries to give the ring to her. Mm. Yeah. And um, and the conversation that follows, because she she refuses also, Mm. even though Mm. she is tempted, but... Mm. But she refuses. And then there's a very interesting conversation where Galadriel says, You are a ring bearer, Frodo. To bear a Mm. ring of power is to be alone. This Mm. task was appointed to you, and if you do not find a way, no Mm. one will. Mm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's a lot in those words. I think that's a beautiful moment in the movie. Like she's the second guide or mentor in a way who comes and shows to Frodo who he is. And uh, in fact, she even asks him, will you look into the mirror? So she asks him to look into the mirror, which is to me a metaphor for looking at the mirror of your soul. And uh, in that mirror, he kind of sees a future of... uh, the possible devastation that will happen if he doesn't follow his cause. And so she kind of does, um, she presents to him the one, the sort of the name of his soul, one could call it that. She calls him a ring bearer like that. Yeah. Perhaps his duty in this life is to be a ring bearer. Mm. Like a lot of Native American traditions had this idea of a soul name. Yeah. That you could find a name that's uniquely... Uh, that uniquely bears the blueprint of your soul. So perhaps ring bearer was how she named it in that moment. And uh, and I loved how she sort of presented to him the possibility of uh, what would happen to his life if he didn't follow the call. Uh, as guides, we often take our people through the deathbed exercise, right? Where we ask them to imagine uh, what um, the last day on earth, their last day alive, um, and the possibility of imagining that if I didn't live my calling, if I continue to live the life the way I'm living right now, um, imagine what your last day on earth would be like. Or you could imagine really having lived your fullest life and dying contented. You could sort of practice both as an exercise for yourself and, uh, Use the call of death in a way to lend potency and vitality to your life right now. Uh, Use the call of, like death demands of us. Like, what are you doing with your life right now? Uh, And that's kind of what she presented to him. Yeah, that's right. And um, there was something very important in those words also, that if you do not find a way, no one will. Mm. This uh, mm-hmm. that when you are called, you are called to something unique. Yeah, it's something that only you can bring into this world. So if you if you don't do that, then that thing will be lacking in the universe. Mm-hmm. No one else can step into your shoes. No yeah. one else has exactly the same call as you. No one yeah. has exactly the same niche in the ecology of life as as I often often like to speak of soul purpose as your yeah. niche. Yeah. Um, 
and and it's like for animals animals all animals of a certain species occupy kind of the same niche but when it comes to humans every human has a specific niche mm. yeah yeah and i think uh, there was also a second moment in the film where frodo refused the call and he realized this i think he realized his particular role in the ecology and this was this moment in rivendell when he was recovering from a stab wound and he wanted to give the ring up he thought his duty was done i've brought the ring this far now i can leave and go home he tells sam and then he sees you know the whole council is fighting uh, because they can't agree on who should take the ring to mordor Yeah. and all the elves and dwarves and humans uh, and gandalf they're all fighting with each other and frodo is just sitting there in the corner and i think in that moment he he's looking at the ring very closely and um, in a sort of trance and he sees the reflection of everybody fighting mm. and he sees the fires of mordor in the ring it's almost like he sees a sort of vision of what would happen of how the fire would consume humanity um if he doesn't step into his power and i think in that moment the con- the vision he saw of like these people are fighting and there's this imminent threat of the fire of mordor it kind of m- made him realize i think his role in that conflict that i'm the only one who can bear this thing look at these people they're fighting and the only one who can yeah yeah it is really interesting just imagine if any of the other people would have tried to take on themselves that task of carrying mm. the ring they're all these very powerful people in in certain ways mm. and yeah i uh, it's quite obvious that no one of them would have been able to um stand against the temptation in the long yeah. run yeah yeah exactly some- so he, he yeah Yeah and there's there's something very unique about Frodo. I don't know exactly mm. what it is. It's his maybe there's some sort of purity about him somehow mm. that makes it possible for him to carry the ring and also he is not powerful in the same way as these people are so in that sense I don't know it, mm. it it's he's not such a big threat or the ring on him would not mm. be able to do <laughs> damage in the same way. Exactly somehow it's like a talent he has or something it's not like he decides that i'm better than the others and i'm the only one who can carry it because of that it's more like he realizes i truly am i seem to be the only person immune to the power of the ring uh i have this natural gift for that or something yeah and it's it's such a specific task also because his task really is just to carry the ring like most of the other tasks that have to do with this mission he's really bad at you know he's really bad at fighting <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's small he doesn't move very fast and you know he's not he's yeah. not made for that sort of journey but he's really made for carrying <laughs> that ring yeah yeah absolutely he truly is the ring bearer yeah yeah and that is true for all of us we have like this yeah. very unique nation We all have so many shortcomings <laughs> and mm. most of us it's very easy to stare yourself blind on those and be like I'm so bad at this and I'm so bad at that and you know mm. I have all these downsides but then 
there's something that's really awesome about you that yeah. no one else has. Like the specific combination of gifts and talents that come forth for you, for you in this very unique way hmm. is um, there is nothing else like that. Yeah, yeah. And that reminds me of uh, something they say about the ring right at the beginning of the movie. That the ring is always trying to get back to its master. It wants to be found. And I kind of, when I heard that, I thought about, well, soul is like that. Our soul is like that. It is trying to get back to it, to you. It's trying to, it wants to be found by you. Like mm. Rumi said, what you seek is seeking you. Um, and so if, if you just believe for a moment that there is something innately in you and that uh, there's a precious gift there and an offering, uh, it, it wants to find you. So, so just taking a pause and stopping long enough for it to catch up and find you. Uh, that's often all we have to do. And um, since we're talking about the name of Frodo, the unique ecological niche of ring bearer, I was also reminded of uh, the beginning when uh, Gandalf sends him out of the Shire and he says, leave your name behind you when you leave the Shire. He says, leave your name behind you when you leave the Shire. Mm-hmm. So that you won't be found for your old identity in a way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and this is very similar to the process that people go through if they work with a purpose guide where mm. a big part of the work is to mm, let the old parts of you die. The parts mm-hmm. of you that are not really serving your purpose, that are not really aligned with your soul. To let mm. those things fall to the side so that something new can come forth. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I would like to actually continue with this conversation between Galadriel and Frodo, because it's quite rich. Mm. Mm -hmm. So after Galadriel says that if you do not find a way, no one will, Frodo Mm. says, then I know what I must do. It's Mm. just, I'm afraid to do it. Mm. And yeah, it's of course he's afraid to do it. Who wouldn't be afraid to follow their calling? I mean, if you if you have a sense that you have found your calling, but you're not a little bit afraid to follow mm. it, then that's yeah. not your calling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it sounds wonderful, then that's probably the ego making up a calling. <laughs> yeah, then it's something that you have chosen, not this thing that has chosen you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's actually a, a part of how to test if you have found your calling. Mm. And it's not like you should be it's a, it's um it's a particular kind of fear because it's also it's something you really want to do. Mm. But you have a whole lot of fear connected to doing it. Mm. So it's not like oh it just seems gloomy and dark and and scary it's not that kind of fear but it's more like i don't know how to describe it but you you there's certainly it's it what's most at the forefront is that you want to respond to the call but at the same time the earth is trembling beneath your feet yeah yeah 
Yeah, and I would even something that just came to me is I. It feels like a fear that's uh, moved by love. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I never thought of Frodo this way, but now that I think of it, he's moved by love. Like he's doing all of this, suffering greatly, walking alone to Mordor with Sam because he wants to protect humanity. And uh, somehow he just realizes that this is my responsibility. This is something only I can do. Um, and so he's moved by the love and that kind of allows him to face the fear because the fear is super real. But the fact that the call is as strong and the knowing that only my gifts can sort of be serving this particular role and ecological niche, that combination of things makes it enough, gives him enough resilience. And of course, having a companion, I think that's also uh, a key part to his success is that he knows he's not entirely alone. And so all of these are kind of ingredients I've noticed on the journey that when the fear gets overwhelming, I remember my love, what compels me. I remember my unique gifts that in a way, this is who I am and these are my gifts and they want expression. And then I remember my friends and my community and my companions who believe in me. These three, these three things give me resilience in the midst of all the fear. Yeah. Yeah. And a calling is always driven by love. It's mm-hmm. um, because a calling is never just about yourself. A calling is always something that's connected to a larger whole. But your role in making the world a more beautiful place for all. So in that sense, love is always at the heart of purpose yeah. and of your calling. And I'd also also like to comment a bit on this, on the enormity of Frodo's task. Mm. Because, like, (laughs) the fate of humanity is depending on him. And that, I mean, for most of us, our calling is not that extreme in a sense. Um, the fate of humanity is not 100% in each of our hands. But mm. on the other hand, if everyone or if too many people refuse the call, yeah. then humanity is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> All life. Yeah on this planet is pretty much, Mm. yeah. So in that sense, as a collective, we Mm. are, the fate of humanity is in our hands. And if we refuse to call, we kind of contribute to this larger field of refusing the call. And in that sense, the fate of humanity is very much in our hands. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't want to stress anyone out by <laughs> saying, <laughs> but um, mm. but it's yeah. Also, I think this yeah, it yeah. can also be inspiring to just be aware that you are, you're actually important. You really are important. Like if you're sitting yeah. there, like feeling feeling that you're insignificant and that there's mm. nothing you can do about the state of things. Well, mm. simply accepting your call is actually. 
uh, tremendous contribution already. Yeah. And doing yeah. what you can to fulfill that call, whatever it is. And that's not to say that the calling has to be enormous and no. like, and you know world changing at all. Some no. people's calling, their soul calling, could be small in that sense. It could be about. Um, I remember Sarah Beek on one of your podcasts. She said that somebody's calling could be to be a really good friend. Somebody's calling could be to tend to a beautiful garden. Yeah. Like maybe that's uniquely a person's calling in this life. But even that's. Even following that call, um, it's not at all small in any way. Um, it has a role to play in the larger ecology. Like every single creature, no matter how small it is, even the smallest of creatures has such a huge role to play in the ecology and keeps the system in balance. So it's really not about the size of the call or how important it seems. It's just about finding out what's uniquely wanting to move through you. Yeah. That's true. As I was watching the movie, I was a little bit thinking maybe in some sense this is like the opposite of inspiring because it just seems so <laughs> overwhelmingly big. Like mm-hmm. the, the amount of hardships that Frodo needs to go through to fulfill his task is just, <laughs> it's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but And it's not realistic for most of us. But then... If we think about more in metaphoric terms and more mm. as like um, like an expression of uh, what happens within us, right? Exactly. Then it's actually pretty much what all of us go through on some level, because there will be so many moments on our path when it feels like I don't know how to proceed, and mm. this is. This is just too much, and I, I don't know how I could ever be able to to, to do this. And mm. um, and that can really feel like I was just thinking about this, the case of Moria. Is that what they're called? Uh, yeah, Moria. Uh, yeah, and um, there's these stairs that lead down into the abyss. Mm. And you know it's just it's extremely steep on both sides of the stair- stairs, and there's even a big gap where you need to jump, and then the whole construction starts shaking, mm. <laughs> and um, you know it's yeah. just a great ex- way of depicting what it can feel like when everything is kind of. Mm. when you're losing you feel like you're losing balance and it can really feel yeah. like that and I have dreams like that <laughs> frequently mm. uh, in different phases of my journey yeah um, it's like the dark night of the soul that precedes um, the awakening uh, sort of the Moria experience for me was like a metaphor for that I think mm. Gandalf said, we must endure the long dark of Moria before mm. we can reach our destination. Mm. And then they go through this dark cave and there are these guardians at the gate. There's this giant octopus that comes and tries to stop them from entering the gate. And, so, and the gate is not opening initially and they can't find a language for the gate. And so all of these are for me like metaphors for the inner journey. Mm. Um, there are all these inner guardians at the gate. There's a language that we've forgotten, uh, the language of our soul. And uh, to really, to discover who you are, we often have to go through that inner journey of 
the dark cave in ourselves uh, sort of meet some of the inner orcs and urukhais and uh, balrogs hmm. inside of us in that live in our own shadows and in the confrontation with those parts of us which we think are scary and nasty and mean and monstrous we actually often find gifts and gems and sources of light which have only been distorted because they haven't been seen for so long so for me yeah i love how you said it that we don't have to see frodo's journey as this ominous enormous thing that we can't even imagine but we if we just look at the whole movie as a metaphor for the inner journey like it actually makes a lot more sense to me than um all the monsters like this time when i was watching the movie i felt like wait all these characters all the monsters are all inner characters yeah uh, all of the people they're also different aspects of our own psyche like aragorn boromir frodo pippin they're all different um we all have all of them in our sense mm. if you really think about it um i might be digressing a little bit like aragorn is the part of me that wants to be in exile uh mm. he sort of he knows his call in a way he knows he's meant to be on the throne but he's afraid of his power mm. and so he chooses exile because he fears corruption mm. um of course later in the movies he finally accepts his calling as well Boromir is the part of us that is uh, susceptible to power and corruption perhaps but also has the side which is which has valor and courage Frodo to me is like the part of me that's um, a little bit childlike and innocent and so sensitive and in touch with something really pure which is why he has so much resilience to the ring um mm. yeah actually come to think of it one of the more inspiring characters for me in a way is this dwarf what's his name again mm, gimli gimli yeah because he really cherishes danger like for him there's nothing mm. better than fighting and yeah he's the warrior the yeah. inner warrior <laughs> yeah well Yeah, in some sense, but he's like this fearless. Well, mm. he's not just fearless because for me, in some sense, uh, Aragorn is like the archetypal warrior mm. type. But but Gimli is more like this this part that really just wants to throw himself into the fire because that's the mm. most fun part right. of life, and he just really doesn't care if he gets hurt or if there's a big risk that he will get killed. He just loves it. <laughs> true. True. Um, yeah, a little bit like the rebel. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> but um, speaking of the case of Moria and meeting your inner darkness, there's the, the Balrog, this um, this giant demon-like mm. figure that they meet there in the caves. I'm a little yeah. bit. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure that it was the perfect metaphor in a sense because when mm. we in our inner work when we meet our demons, we kind of yeah. want to approach them, right? And we want to get yeah. close to them and really get to know them in some sense. And yeah. but, and what happens here is that they I don't know if it gets killed, but at least it falls down into mm. the abyss and disappears. So I was kind mm. of hoping for a scene where they like they really encounter the Balrog close up and he turns out to just 
I don't know, be a projection or just be something ephemeral that can't really hurt you or or maybe mm. he's really kind, really, when you really get to know him. <laughs> I don't know if that really that maybe would mess up the dynamics of the of the adventure story, but but that yeah. would have been a better metaphor in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think what they said is that the dwarves awoke in the darkness, shadow and flame. They awoke in the darkness, shadow and flame, and this part of us that's like really angry and uh, has become really big in its angle. For me, the Balrog was like that part of me that's mm. often often raged and yeah. just been angry and full of fire. And I think fire comes up a lot in the movie as a mm-hmm. destructive element. Um, but the fire also has a creative element. It's what can destroy the ring and it's also what created the ring. And so... That's right. Um, that's yeah. right. And since you mentioned Gandalf falling into the canyon, for me that's like a really significant moment in the movie. Um, where he disappears. Uh, mm. And he leaves everybody on their own. And that's also often something that happens in the hero's journey is the disappearance of the guide. Uh, the unexpected disappearance of the guide. And the last thing he says is, fly, you fools. <laughs> yeah. Fly, you fools. It's like, okay, now you're on your own. Go. Like, what are you waiting for? Go. <laughs> fly. <laughs> and that's often as guides, we have to do that. It's like, now, it's to just say at some point, okay, I'm, I'm not continuing with you beyond this point. Fly. <laughs> fly now. Mm. Um, that's right. I'm not sure what the significance is that he went down with the Balrog. That's an interesting metaphor. I'm not sure. He went down in that confrontation but with the big shadow. Doesn't he come back? He does. Yeah. 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 And maybe there's something there, right? You meet the worst of your inner monsters and there can be potential for a rebirth right there. Yeah. And I don't want to call it a monster either. Like it's, it's not. It's really, really not a monster. Like you said, it's really a part of us that's not been loved or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of Gandalf coming back, he doesn't come back in the flesh in this first movie, but he does come back in a vision towards the end, and that's also a very potent mm. scene that I'd like to have a mm. look at because Frodo is he's in a place where he's kind of really not happy about the journey that he has he finds himself on and he says to himself I think I wish the ring had never come to me I wish none yeah. of this had happened yeah and um then Gandalf comes back in a vision but before we look at Gandalf's response, I think what Frodo is saying here is really, it's really interesting because that's something that will happen to each of us on our hero's journey Mm. when Mm. we um, embark on the journey of living our calling, we will find ourselves in time dreaming of living an ordinary life, of returning to some sort of safe 
existence mm. where we are not frequently called yeah. to grow in in ways that that seem very scary and painful because we are we are on our path we are called to die and be reborn many times mm. and it certainly seems <laughs> appealing when one is at the precipice of one of these dying um moments to mm. kind of return to return to a more simple and easy and safe existence yeah um and also i find that do you remember what hmm? what gandalf says in response to frodo in that moment yes he says so do all who live to see such times but that mm. is not for them to decide all you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you yeah 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 so he's kind of just saying what yeah. i just said but it's really not up to us yeah. <laughs> and everyone will have this experience and when yeah. you have that experience it's really the only thing you need to decide is if you're going to continue or not mm. but that's not really a choice and i don't think mm. i mean you can choose to for a period halt your quest But the kind yeah. of suffering that you set up exactly. yourself for mm. when you do that, that's even worse than the kind of suffering that you may have experienced before you set out on the quest when you initially, for a yeah. period, uh, refused the call. Because now you know what it feels to live in great alignment with your soul and with your purpose. And then yeah. leaving that, that kind of suffering is just horrendous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of suppression there and numbing that goes on there. And I've seen this so many times. Um, that it actually gets worse if you don't, in a way, follow the call. I guess in the movie, there's Boromir who sort of, his call is to protect and be part of the fellowship. And then he succumbs and sort of tries to take the ring from Frodo. And that, like, kills him at the end. He's so, taun like, haunted by having turned away from his true call and sort of uh, followed the call of his ego for a while that it brought about his death in a way he he just couldn't like till his dying breath he was regretful that uh, I didn't uh, honor my call um, yeah, yeah sure that's true on the other hand he kind of he did after yeah. that <laughs> after after that moment when he tries to take the ring he fully understands how that yeah. is impossible and that's when he really accepts his call in a sense yeah and the way he lives it in the last moments mm. of his life because he gets shot in the chest with an arrow and it looks yeah. like he's going to die but then he rises yeah. and continues fighting yeah and then he gets yeah. another arrow in his chest and it looks yeah. like he's That's the last thing for him. Yeah. But then he rises again. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that's so, just yeah. one of the most powerful moments in the movie. Is I think that that moment of uh, Boromir's sort of last act of following the call. Yeah, it, and and it kind of it's such a powerful moment. Just the way he goes down, um, standing true to his call in the end. 
it that it really feels to me like it's not about the time um like he had he had such um mm, like the time that that happened in the movie is so small but it leaves such an impact because you can really see him for all of himself till his dying breath into living yeah and call and so it's really not about how much time i have left in my life like i have way too little time so many people say this right that mm-hmm. i don't have enough time left and like i am too old and all these things it's really not about time it's about being true to yourself lian exactly it's about being true to yourself it's not it's it's <laughs> It's not about the results. I mean, of course, it is about the results as well, but that's really not the central point. Um, you mm. just you do mm. your best as long as you can, and also mm. the results are not and they're not up to you completely. It's, for you, it's really just um, uh, Jeff Salzman of the Daily Observer likes to likes to say that it's really um, it's not about being successful. It's about being faithful. Mm. It's about showing up again and again and just mm. continuing regardless of I mean yeah you can't control yeah. the outcome. Yeah yeah yeah. And that uh, reminds me of what you shared just a while back that Frodo is he sort of meets Gandalf and says that I don't want this responsibility. Was that what he said? Yeah. I, yeah. I wish this hadn't come to me. Yeah. yeah. And and a lot of people sometimes ask that what if I don't like my purpose? What if I find out <laughs> my purpose and I don't like it? Yeah. And I think uh one of the things I say is that uh, that typically that won't actually happen. Your ego, your personality, your identity might not like it, but your true self will. It'll just recognize it. Um Yeah. Yeah. But maybe there there will be a part of us that will not want to like it for a long time. Long long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in some sense this movie also uh, it's not completely real- realistic in cause, because Frodo I don't think there's a way really to like his, his calling. <laughs> you know, it's not like oh I'm so passionate about taking reins to Mordor. Yeah, it's more about he recognizes it. He there, recognizes this. It's more like there is no other way for him to live and in that sense hmm. he likes it because the alternative would be way worse. <laughs> and yeah. in that I think yeah. that's that's the minimum of liking of your purpose that we all have that it's like um not living my purpose would be mm. like living our purpose is certainly the best alternative. <laughs> Uh, mm. because not doing that would 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 feel so terribly wrong in the long run mm. um, but i think for most people like really the absolute majority we in a very deep way like our purpose mm. um that's what yeah. feels most natural and true for us yeah Yeah, which is somehow making me think that in this movie there's not too much joy. Yeah. <laughs> the joy of living your purpose. I was just thinking, does that come in in this movie or is it all just suffering and like this 
purpose is enormous and it's chosen me and I have to suffer my way to it. Um, but there are these brief moments of joy that I'm remembering. It's like the whole fellowship is on top of the mountain. There are these snow, snow-capped peaks and they're all like sword fighting and laughing and like really connecting as friends. And there's all of this humorous banter between Legolas and Gimli. They're constantly sort of taking digs at each other and having fun with each other. And to me, I guess some of those moments were the most precious or joyful moments. Or Sam and Frodo, the joy and friendship they share. And uh, Arwen and Aragorn, the love they share. Like those moments for me, those relational moments, like they sort of lead me to think about how the joy of living your purpose is in those deep connections, those deep relational moments, those really simple moments actually like everyday moments that uh, become infused with something deeper um yeah and make it worth it yeah 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 no it's true there there is joy and and love in the movie but i think in reality really those things are play a much bigger role mm. on the journey. Mm. And, yeah. and I think it's important to emphasize that there is so much <laughs> there's so much to learn and from this movie and so many possibilities for inspiration. But it's mm. also it really doesn't show the full picture of a purpose-filled life. Absolutely. I think the movie sort of shows the bottom the bottom um I don't know. Yeah. It keeps going down the hero's journey a lot and it spends a lot of the time in the underworld, the darkness uh, phase of many of our lives, uh, which is when we are doing that deep shadow work. We're meeting all our inner, inner shadows and the parts of us that haven't been met in a while and are presenting themselves right now as little man-made Urukhais. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, I think the movie goes primarily through the shadow world a mm. lot mm. and it's only in the last scene of the last movie I think where we get a glimpse of life and joy <laughs> after this <laughs> um, and so it, I, that just gives a glimpse of hope that somehow for many people this the dark night of the soul can seem really long mm. really long mm. but but eventually there is um, a lot of hope and joy uh, at many points on the journey and Uh, once we make it through the underworld. Um, so hang in there. Yeah. Certainly. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more to say about this movie, but maybe let's start wrapping up here for this mm. time. And... Um, Yeah, so let's just take a little moment to see if there's, are there like any finishing words that you, you have um, mm. to make, to make this more complete? Mm. Yeah, I think um, one, two things I want to mention. Um One is the metaphor of death. And I think that comes up in this movie. A couple of times Frodo is faced with his own death. 
and that that's also a powerful metaphor on the journey to finding your calling is to allow yourself to die to certain old parts of you mm. so the first time frodo faces death is when the nazgul like stabs him in the shoulder or something mm-hmm. and uh, he has to be taken to rivendell and he passes into the shadow world so that's actually it felt to me like that was uh, his initiation into the underworld journey of soul like he passed into the shadow world because a wound was inflicted on him and that's often how it happens to many of us it's a wound or some kind of a sacred wound that uh, affects our lives and takes us on a dark night of the soul or depression or some kind of anxiety and uh, gandalf says he will carry the wound his whole life and many mm. of us carry that initial wound and it becomes a sacred wound that often can lead us open up the portal to our um deepest gifts and in a way like maybe that's what happened to frodo the moment he recovered from that wound that's when he had his first moment of um accepting the call himself that's when he chose to step into the role of ring bearer this was in rivendell he saw this vision of fire in the ring and he actively stepped up to his calling and perhaps um that initiation by the wound can often give us an equal amount of strength like that yeah um, and lead us closer to our gifts if we stay long enough and stay with the whatever's there whatever's um whatever deeper medicine or um healing is there inherent in that wound mm. um this is something i often say to people who are in a dark night of the soul is just be with it because uh, um the depth and uh, the depth can often break in in the midst of that pain and the light can often crack in through those wounds like rumi says yeah so just just hang in there um Yeah. 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 It's yeah. sort of like you need something uh, to really shake up your idea of life. Um, yeah. And a confrontation with death. Metaphorical death, or loss of your former identity, loss of your ways of seeing the world, believing things about the world when that comes crashing. Yeah, certainly. losing your foothold a little bit mm. is actually mm-hmm. a good thing if you take it as an opportunity to be reborn into a new life mm. yeah yeah and i'd like to close up with just reflecting a little bit on this on frodo and sam as heroes mm-hmm. because they're really not the typical hero types yeah they're these <laughs> small sensitive kind gentle creatures who don't know how to fight mm. and i think that that's also a really instructive because however you feel if you feel small and insignificant and maybe you even are small <laughs> and maybe mm. you don't know how to fight and maybe you yeah it doesn't yeah. really matter you are as soon as you step on the hero's journey as soon as you accept the call you are a hero mm. you are a hero you are a hero in the sense that you are 
perfectly equipped to deal with whatever hardships will come your way. And mm. you have said yes to it. And in that sense, you are a hero. You are the hero of your adventure. Mm. And yeah. Um, yeah, just look at Frodo. If he can do it, I'm sure you can. Yeah. 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 Okay, so before we sign off here, I'd just like to mention that in case you are standing standing at this place in your life when you have heard the call, maybe maybe clear or maybe in some subtle way, maybe you've just felt the nudge and just feels like it's time to really have a look at your purpose and um, follow that inner voice that wants you to live what you have come here to live and to do. Um, then there is a possibility to work with a guide and both me and Harika are purpose guides. So if, mm-hmm. um, if you need, if you want support on that journey, if, and most people do, it's, a, it's definitely important to have guides along that path. Then you mm-hmm. can contact us and you can find Niharika on her Instagram it's niharika.sanial yep. and you can also find that in the show notes and if you'd like to work with me you can go to my website paulisari.com and the link to that is also in the show notes mm. and I'd also like to mention that I recently started a YouTube channel where I'm posting videos about purpose and the first few episodes deal with um, this particular theme that we've been talking about today, uh, Lord of the Rings. But I will be exploring many other topics there as well. So if you search for my name on YouTube, it should come up. But there's also mm. a link in the show notes. And um, finally, I'd like to mention that um, I, I recently had a webinar on the foundations of purpose discovery. And there's a recording of that webinar. You can find that on my website. And some of the topics that we explore in the webinar are the relationship between soul and purpose, um, Mm. soul encounter techniques, the three worlds of purpose to wake up, grow up and show up, and the eight facets of purpose, the purpose octagon, and obstacles to purpose discovery and how to deal with them. So yeah, it's about one maybe 75 minutes or so and you can find that on my website Mm. yeah so that's all for today and thank you so much Niharika for being here today to have this conversation thank you so much this was fun (laughs) 